With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Leaf Sky, episode 52. Jim Taddy with you for the next half hour or so. Our guest today is Gus Katsaros from McKean's Hockey at NBC Sports Edge. And before we get into that conversation, consider this. Everyone's favorite time of the year is right around the corner. College football season to celebrate. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new players in the center of action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more in any college football game. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. That is correct. You heard properly. DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more in any college football game, no matter what. So head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all the great promotions and daily odd boosts that they are offering. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable. It's easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet in any college football game. The promo code is, let me hear it again, THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. All right, back to the hockey story. We're going to play a little game here. It's called What If. So we're going to rhyme off. A list of Leaf players that were let go. These are all forwards, and we want to know if they were replaced. To help us through this exercise, Gus Katsaros is here from McKean's Hockey at NBC Sports Edge. Okay, Gus, let's look at uh, some of the players that have departed the Leafs. I'm just going to rhyme off a pile of names, and then we'll get into the specifics. Brown, Kadri, Kapitan, Janssen, JVR, Bozak. Hyman and, of course, Felino lately, although Felino's uh, sort of a very small and injured sample size. But, I mean, there's a number of forwards here that had to be cashed in or moved along uh, because they wouldn't fit into the salary cap. So trying to play, uh, you know, the game of if they didn't have the salary cap problem or if they didn't create their own salary cap problem and got a little creative. I mean, it's all retrospective analysis, but, you know, there are elements here. So so let's go through some of these guys. Uh, what do they miss with no Connor Brown? 
Connor Brown would have been providing a spark similar to what Zach Hyman kind of did. Maybe not at the same skill set level, but Brown had a, a work ethic and a complementary skill set that would have been able to plug him onto a line when a line was struggling. That's a very Zach Hyman characteristic. So the money that was paid to Zach Hyman could have been saved if they had Connor Brown in the lineup. That would have been the replacement for that particular player. Uh, now, having said all that, Connor Brown has signed a fantastic contract with Ottawa. He's a key player there. Um, so there were reasons why they moved off of him at the time, but they really could have used a player like him now um, just to kind of bolster their depth and to move kind of up and down the lineup the way that Hyman did. Okay, so uh, we'll go through each of these names individually. They're, they are specific cases. Um, I think the Brown thing was moved uh, because of the Brown contract was moved because of Zaitsev had to be moved as well. So so these are salary cap reasons. But but in terms of, uh, you know, Connor Brown being removed from the Leaf lineup, did they ever replace him? So the answer to that is no. There have been a lot of players that they've tried to replace him with. Ilya Mikheyev is probably the next biggest comparable that probably stepped in to try to take Connor Brown's spot. So Mikheyev provides a different skill set. He's much speedier, quicker, doesn't have the same offensive skill set, and may essentially be similar or less defensively capable than Connor Brown. So did they replace Connor Brown? Yes, with Ilya Mikheyev. Did they replace him adequately? Probably not. Okay, next name on the list is is Kadri, and uh, you know he's problematic because you know there's there's many reasons why he had to go. Uh, one of them is the constant suspensions, which has continued in Colorado in the playoffs, and and that hurt. But you know, having said, you know, we're going to do this time and time again. Uh, it's fine to say this player has to go and justify, but you have to backfill. So we're, what we're examining here is the backfill, and the backfill for Kadri was a trade. I don't think. I mean, nothing against the guys. The, the, you know, obviously. Kerfoot's still with the Leafs, but this is not uh, a, a good trade for the Leafs in terms of what they lost. Well, here's the thing about Kadri. Uh, we talk a lot about players being put into specific uh, roles, even if it's just for a, um, a small amount of time. Think of what happened when John Tavares went down. If they still had Kadri in the lineup, he would have been able to step in and take that 2C spot. Kadri has a lot of versatility as well. He can play anywhere from third line center to a first line winger. So when they removed him from the lineup, they removed a piece of versatility more so than just the player himself. So if in an injury happened, Kadri was able to step into that spot. He would have been the perfect replacement for John Tavares if um, if he was still in the lineup. Now, we're also assuming that he would have been healthy and non-suspended in the playoffs. And that right. that is an element that is problematic, right? We talk about a player that can kind of jump in and do things for a roster. But if the, but if the mentality is to consistently become suspended, the suspension isn't necessarily the problem. The problem is what's between the ears to get that player suspended on such a consistent basis. So the Leafs traded away a problematic player for the potential to replace him with Alex Kerfoot that wasn't as dynamic offensively but had a little bit more of a, um, a presence in that depth area, somewhere where they were able to kind of bolster the depth. Kadri was supposed to play in the top two lines. Um, and really the prize for that, that entire deal was supposed to be Tyson Berry. Yeah, that didn't work out. That didn't work out as planned. Yeah. Um, okay, so now I'm going to do a, like a, a, a one and one A, like we're at the track. So cool. Kapanen and Janssen are one and one A because they're they're serviceable wingers. Uh, they're special teams players. And I don't know that they replaced either one, did they? 
Well, Andreas Janssen was the first line left winger. He was essentially kind of replaced by by Zach Hyman. I think that from a comparable perspective, on, and we don't, still don't know what the decision is, Alex Galchenyuk would have been an adequate replacement for um, for for Johnson. Kapanen, I think, is a bit of a problematic player. He's so one-sided and one-dimensional that when you remove him from the lineup, you notice that there's a bit of a speed element missing and, and perhaps an element to the penalty kill. That hasn't been replaced, but I don't think that he needed to be replaced. I think that they just needed a player to be able to play in that role, in that spot, at that time. So have they replaced him currently? Yes. I think that any player that has been able to take over from the PK, and they use Mitch Marner quite a bit. Alex Kerfoot is another one that kind of took a lot more penalty killing time. I don't think that they didn't replace Kapanen, but they haven't replaced his skill set. So the biggest issue that I felt from Kapanen was that he's very, he operates with blinders. He has a mentality to go, 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 doesn't use his line mates very well, doesn't pass the puck very well, and has a shoot first mentality. So they were playing him with Austin Matthews and, and Marner for a point in time. And when you have a player that's shoot first mentality and you got two superstars sitting next to them, that, that's a bit of a mismatch. So I don't think that they didn't replace Kapanen. I think that that was a bit more of a sub, uh, addition by subtraction on that level. Janssen at the same time too, while he's had offensive um, um, gifts that that really did complement that first line. Um, there was a bit of a mismatch. He couldn't stay up, couldn't stay healthy, couldn't keep up from a speed perspective. So uh, I don't think that the Leafs have, have essentially removed his skill set because they replaced him with Galchenyuk, although that was kind of late in the game. Um, but I still don't think that they're going to end up replacing him with another specific player. They've moved into a different direction that both those players are no longer required. At least their skill sets are no longer required in the roster. Okay, so for the next two, we go back a little deeper. JVR was a, was a key component on the power play, that net front and uh, nimble hands. They had a nice little uh, dipsy-doodle move in tight. Uh, and he was going to be missed, and, and he was to some respect. I, I think people could understand why he had to move on, but did they replace him? You know, it's interesting that we kind of talk about JVR and, and his power play presence right now because the way that the Leafs have kind of formulated their power play, it's less about net front presence and it's more about shots off the wing. Now, that's problematic. And we saw the problems from half a season all the way through the playoffs. They needed somebody a little bit better up front. So to put JVR in the position where had they replaced them, they could have used any player in the net front and gotten similar results on the power play. Not that the the skill set is replaceable, but you can have a net front presence to become much more capable on your power play. The fact is they changed tactics. That change in tactics made JVR essentially obsolete. At five on five, he's not very dynamic. He's not a big scorer at five on five, doesn't carry the puck very much, and he doesn't really do a lot of offensive things that we expect from a goal scorer. So you now we switch to the power play, and if their mentality is changed to the degree that they're trying to implement other things because they have stars that can do things that they don't necessarily need that net front presence anymore, then I can understand why they wanted to move away from JVR. No, they have not replaced the skill set, and no, I don't think that they really needed to replace that skill set. Okay, so the, the question that comes out of that is the net front versus the power play that they have now, and the power play that they have now has been startlingly good and, and startlingly cold at times. What is the better remedy? Is it net front or what they do now? What, what's I'm, the better answer? I'm going to give you a specific scenario and we can expand that to include the entire power play. When the Leafs were on, they were making Royal Road passes for quick shots. A Royal Road is an imaginary line that cuts the defensive zone into two halves. 
Forcing a goaltender to go from one post to the other creates gaps in the net. Forcing players to move from one part of the ice to the other part of the ice creates gaps there as well. The Leafs, when they were on, they were using that Royal Road pass. They were forcing teams to make defensive shifts from their players' side and forcing goaltenders to move. Now, when we look at all the futility that they had from the past season, it was because they were giving the puck to either one player on the side, on the wing, whether it was Matthews or Marner or Nealand or whoever it was, and they had way too much time to set up, which gave the other team way too much time to set up defensively, which gave the goaltender enough time to move into position and remove those gaps. So if it doesn't matter if your shooters are really capable. If they don't have the ability to shoot and find those gaps, find those holes, or create those gaps using those Royal Road passes, they're going to be just absolutely brutal. And that's what we described, sorry, that's what we saw for about half a season and throughout the entire playoffs. So I don't think that the net front presence is something that that is as essential as it was in the past. The game is changing. The way that right. is defending is changing. We see a ton of players where they're actually given the space in front of the net. Yeah, stand there. We don't have a problem with that. And the, and the defensemen move maybe a foot or two ahead of them. And then they recover when a shot comes in because they know that there's not a lot of teams that are, are looking at getting shots from the point and getting rebounds. That's a bit of a passe mindset. So I, the Leafs have to figure out exactly how do they want their power play to work. And there has to be a bit of a conjunction of shooting from the wings, a little bit of a net front presence to make sure that they can kind of pounce on rebounds and get better effective goaltending. Oh, sorry, goal scoring. So once that mentality changes, it doesn't really matter what players you start plugging into that value. Um, moving on from JVR, even Kadri was a great net front presence. Um, Johnson to a degree, Kapanen maybe to a degree, but again, the role is starting to become more obsolete and the strategic elements that the Leafs are trying to implement is taking less value from a net front presence and more value on shooters that really know how to manipulate the space in the zone to create gaps and seams where they can make good, accurate passes to take clean, accurate shots. Okay, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying there. It just it seems that they don't have the uh, the repair manual for when it doesn't work. There is no repair manual. It's either all or nothing. So that's kind of what the problem is, right? You're looking yeah. at it from the perspective of playing percentages. If we do this 100 times, 60 of those 100 times, we're not going to get anything. But those 40 times that we do get something will generate something. So it's not necessarily playing the same tactic or changing your tactics because of defensive situations. They're playing the percentages. And there's a... I guess there's a case to be built around using the percentages because the more times you use something, but the, the same problem becomes teams that do advanced scouting are able to pinpoint specific areas where they can thwart the Leafs. So it doesn't matter how much you percent uh, you expect to get from a percentage of shots or attempts or whatever the case is. If the other team has the ability to kind of shut you down based on their own defensive ability, playing the percentages may not necessarily be the right way to go. And we'll find out about that. We'll see how the Leafs structure their power play within preseason. We'll know within the first five to 10 games how they're going to move. And if they continue to do the same things that they did last year, they're going to be pretty futile for a long period of time. Okay, so based on the numbers and what you've just said, here's my conclusion. Okay. Um, because, you need, because you need a larger sample size for that thing to work, you're talking about regular season success. You are not talking about playoff success because the sample size is smaller and as we saw they get caught in that trap where it's that's the 10 times it doesn't work it'll cost you the series that's exactly the problem with playing the percentages on a such a delicate 
element like the power play. You could do that in the regular season. You could do that at five on five because you have a broader amount of time to be able to implement these, these items. When you're killing a penalty, when you're on the power play, there is no room for any mistakes. So playing the percentages means that at some point in time, you're going to do things right. At some point in time, you're going to do things wrong. And when things go wrong in that small sample, like in the playoffs, if the Leafs had just gotten three or four more goals on the power play last playoffs, it puts Montreal in a very difficult position. The fact that they weren't able to do that lends to the impossibility that they come back from a 3-1 deficit and then they finally lose in game seven. So you're absolutely right. They can do that during the regular season and experiment, et cetera, et cetera. But when it comes to a short tournament like a playoff, especially in a high-stakes series, you better be able to move tactically and strategically above and beyond just working the percentages. Yikes. That's all I have to say to that. Let's get back to the list now. Bozak. Tyler Bozak was a very serviceable Maple Leaf. Did they replace him? Well, I think that they tried to replace him a little bit with John Tavares. He was supposed to be the guy that kind of goes up to 3C. I think Tyler Bozek at the time when they decided to move away from him was not the same player that they expected him to be. Um, he fit a particular role with St. Louis as more of a defensive checking center. Um, they replaced him on the penalty kill by using Mitch Marner. So now you have an, an added offensive element. So no, I, I don't think that they replaced him, but I don't think that they didn't move on from that skill set they used john Tavares more so to take over the minutes that tyler bozak used to play so i think if you want to make a, a distinct comparison then Tavares is probably his replacement and that is an absolute upgrade above and beyond the long term and the and, and the salary and all of that from a skill set perspective that's the replacement okay so the final two uh one is more uh noticeable than the other obviously hyman and felino uh and i put felino in there just because he could have been an answer for the departure of hyman but he signed with boston for 3.8 so so let's deal with the left side on the top two lines the Tavares line the matthews line without hyman without felino have they replaced them so Felino is not an easily replaceable player. He may not necessarily have the most offensive instinct, but there's a defensive element and a defensive structure that he's able to implement not only for himself, but for the players on the ice. They have not replaced that skill set, and I doubt that they ever will. So what they've done, though, is they've taken it and they've replaced it with two players, Nick Ritchie and Andre Kashi. When Nick Ritchie is on, he could be that first line left winger. He may not necessarily get the same points, but he does the things that will allow those other two players to be able to to um, to move. At the same time, you could kind of move him above and beyond. like you can move him from the first line to the second line. So they've replaced Felino somewhat with Nick Ritchie. Andre Cash is an interesting case. I say case, but it's K A S E. Yeah, I, I get um, it. Sight gag. <laughs> he he's at the point where. If it wasn't for all of the injuries, he would have been an absolutely perfect replacement in the mold of Andreas Janssen with a much better defensive capability, a much higher, um, I'm going to call it fear constant because he's not a really big, huge dominating player, but he is so relentless that he's able to kind of fish out pucks and, and, and do things that his body doesn't expect him to do. So that's probably one of the reasons which kind of got him into trouble in the first place is a lot of concussion trouble. So, Felino between Nick Ritchie and Andre Kasha could be a perfect replacement because you can kind of flip those two players on the assumption that Ritchie stays healthy. I think that you'll, that's what you'll see. You'll see a flip from first and second line. Felino was supposed to be part of a more elite group or at least part of the main group, not necessarily a depth player. Kasha is, is the wild card. If he remains healthy, 
is if he's able to kind of pick up his game prior to all of the injuries, then that's the second element of Felino's game. It's the limited offense, but the phenomenal defensive presence. So between those two guys, yes, they've absolutely replaced Nick Felino. Have they replaced Zach Hyman? Absolutely not. And you cannot replace a Zach Hyman. Zach Hyman is one of those catalysts that you can move line to line and makes those other players better. We saw it on the first line. It's not just a matter of digging out pucks. He has his own skill set. And Zach Hyman is one of those crazy players that we, we can compare to wine. He's graced and he's aged better than what we expected a hockey player to age as. What we expect is really good production when they're young and then it starts to drop off after a certain age. Hyman's skill set has improved to the degree that even maybe, I don't know, a year or two ago, you could have expected him to be a more skilled player, but he still maintains that gritty forechecking element that makes him such an effective player. So when he wasn't playing on the first line and he wasn't supporting Matthews and Marner, he could be moved to the second line and support Tavares and Nylander. That's not an ideal solution. Obviously, you want more players to be able to do this, but Hyman is a very special skill very special player that they will never be able to replace. Now it's just a matter of moving on from that and figuring out what player can they actually, or players, can they use in conjunction to duplicate his skill set. That in itself, I think, is a very difficult position to take. And I think that the Leafs are going to try to move away from using a, a Hyman-type player uh, to the degree that they're going to start using platoons, similar to what I was talking about with Richie and Cashy. So uh, I don't think that they'll ever end up... Um, escaping the fact that they've lost a very dynamic player. At the same time, I'm talking about immediate returns this year, maybe next year. After a spirited amount of time, Hyman's skill set is going to de depreciate his the injury-prone nature, the, the fact that he needs to play that physical game to activate the skilled part of his game. There, there's a lot of moving parts there, so I understand how they can possibly move away, but they'll never replace that skill set, and it really was a really good one. Yeah, absolutely agreed. Um, uh, it's unanimous. I've just pulled all our listeners. It's it's agreed, and it's <laughs> unanimous. Um, the, the one name that you haven't mentioned in the replacement department was Bunting. What do you think of him? <laughs> Oh, guy. Well, I, I think that Bunting at best is going to be a, de um, a depth player. He's not going to end up moving up and down the lineup. I don't expect him to be a replacement for Hyman. I don't expect him to be a replacement for any player currently on the roster. Um, it's nice to see that he had a lot of success with Arizona, but there are caveats that came with that. Uh, a, a really good shooting percentage, being put into positions where he's able to use his skill set. He's not going to get that same opportunity here in Toronto. So he's going to be a depth player that's going to give you depth performance. And I don't, I wouldn't put him in a position to say that he's a, replacing somebody, but he adds a skilled element to your depth that was kind of missing last year. The Leafs' depth was absolutely horrible in the playoffs. You could see it when their front lines were shut down. Nobody was there to step up. Alex Kerfoot to a degree, but you need more skilled players in your depths, and that's what Michael Bunting is. Gus, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Pleasure's always mine, Jim. Thank you very much. Last minute of play in this podcast. Thank you, Mike Ross. That means we've got less than 60 seconds to cram this in. So we're going to play Yes Guy, No Guy very quickly. So of all those forwards, Brown, Kadri, Kapanen, Janssen, JVR, Bozak, Hyman, and Felino, did the Leafs replace them properly? And the answer is an emphatic no guy. You can understand exactly why each one of those players was moved on. There's no issue with that. The issue is, did they get the right return? 
And the answer is, as I said, an emphatic no guy. That part of the Leafs asset management has to improve really quickly. Hope you enjoyed episode 52 of Leafs Guy. Hope you come back next week for episode 53.